0: Amen. Amen. You know, it's crazy sometimes. You know, I wish everybody could have a chance to stand here and look this way and uh, and just look at the people. Because, you know, I look around the room and really in every section there's somebody who shouldn't even be alive. You, you know, you know that last song we were singing, uh, to you I am grateful. You know, some of you guys should be a lot more grateful than you're acting because you shouldn't even be here. We should have had potato salad in your honor. And you're sitting up in the house, you know, inhaling and exhaling, doing more great things for God. You know, lives that have been uh, impacted and changed by the power of God. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's just an awesome thing. And, and what an awesome God we serve. What, what an awesome God we serve. Amen. And, and uh, you, you know what? Let's just give him one more hand tonight. He's worthy. Just give him. Just give him God, we just thank you. Amen. Amen. We're going to launch into a brand new series tonight. And, and uh, we're calling it Breaking Bad. And uh, what what we want to do is break cultural mindsets that have uh, infiltered uh, the, the the mindset of the believer. You know, how many of you realize that culture has adopted a lot of new norms and they distort the truth. And it's really weird, but uh, they're just as. Uh, they, they dominate in the church just like they do outside the church. You know, statistics in the church aren't that different from statistics outside the church. And how many know, brethren, these things ought not to be so? You know, well, how, how in the world did, did it get this way? I want to show you, uh, you know, just over the next few weeks, you know, some comparisons. This is what the world says, but this is what God says. And uh, this is the way the world's doing it. This is the world's way. And you want to know what's crazy is that the world has a very strong opinion of the way you should live life. But nobody's happy with the results. Now, just hear me, because that's probably a bigger point. I probably should have made that a major point. But uh, the reality is, is that the world has a very strong opinion of the way you should do everything. But nobody's lacking the results that the way we're living is producing. Everybody, you know, everybody wishes we had different results, but, they, but, but they, 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 they really stuck on the way they want to do it. Nobody's happy with it, but God's ways always lead to life and peace. i telling you, God's way always leads to life and peace. We started off a couple of years ago, the year, you know, praying and fasting that God would show us the right way for us, the right way for our kids, the right way for our substance. And we want to know what's crazy is he started doing it. You know, he, he started revealing to people uh, uh, the way that they should go. You, you know, the, uh, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart. And, and uh, you know, and there's there's a way that's right for you. How many know there's a way that's right for you? And in every situation that you go through, God, God will lead you and guide you. And if you do life God's way, you're going to get God life results. More life than death, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more joy than sorrow, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. I mean, just telling you, every single time when we do what he said, he produces what he promised. And so what we have to do is we just have to say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to get committed to doing life God's way. And I I, I want to just uh, like I said, I just want to I just want to show you some uh, some of the cultural mindsets that are predominant in today's society and then show you what God says. And, you know, because you, you get to make a choice. You have to you have to you have to decide if I'm going to do it my way or or, or his way. And but you need to have the information to base that decision off of. And and uh, we're, we're going to read some scripture here in a second. And and I just want to give you a little bit of background. We're going to be turning to first Corinthians. But Corinth uh, is kind of like, well, it's modern day Greece today. Uh, but Corinth, when, when he was writing this letter to the to the church that was at, at Corinth, uh, that church looked a lot like the modern day church today, especially in America. They were morally corrupt. They were financially prosperous. They were intellectually advanced. Uh, uh, they, and, and they worshipped a, a goddess. You might have heard of this one. It was, they worshipped a goddess, Diana. And uh, there was a lot of, even temple prostitution was taking place. And... and Uh, He writes this letter to kind of stir them up and and to remind them who they are. And in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter at verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, the world's under the impression that Christians are a bunch of fools. They'll just believe anything, you know. Uh, But but to us who are being saved, we know, we've come to know this is the power of God. and, And it's saving our bacon. Oh, somebody, you know, to to the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are who are without God. But those who have found God, we understand it's the power of God. In verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. He's kind of quoting from Isaiah 29, where God's literally saying, well, here's the deal. I don't have to argue with people who. Who don't agree with me, they'll find out their way doesn't work. And he said, "You know, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligent of the intelligent. I'm going to frustrate. And he, well just think about it, you try living a life outside of God's principles. It don't work. Come on, everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, it won't work. Most of us know from experience. You know, and God doesn't God doesn't punish people who are living outside of his ways. They punish themselves. Look at verse 20. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? We're going to be looking into this because even to some Christians, God's ways. Well, well, that's just old fashioned. Come on, pastor. It's 2014. Times are a changing. We need to break some bad cultural mindsets. You know, uh, verse 25 says the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So we're going to look at some of our most important topics and stuff that we're all being affected by every day. And and I'm going to give you some old school thought principles right out of the word of God. And I'm going to challenge you. You put it to the test. You actually put God's word to the test and we're going to confront some controversial topics. Happy, happy, happy. Amen. And, you know. Probably not everybody's going to be happy about some of the stuff we look at. I'm probably going to get some mail. Might need to buy a bird. However, it's my belief that the guys in my position probably need to stop trying to soft sell everything and stand up for truth. And, uh, uh, you know, and no matter who it offends. And, you know, and I I really worry about that offensive part, you know, because, you know, I don't like to offend people. But sometimes the truth can just be very offensive. And we're going to we're going to kind of read through some scripture. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting because in some parts of the world today, if you read what we're going to read openly in a public place, you can go to prison. It's a hate crime to read these next verses that we're going to read. Boy, that sucks. But what what are we going to do with it? It's in the book, and and it's wrapped right around a bunch of stuff I need to set up this series. Bummer. So we're going to read it. Look at your neighbor say, "Here we go, Betty." Okay, <laughs> grabbing second gear. <laughs> okay, uh, Romans chapter one, starting at verse. 22, it says, listen, listen, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever living God, they worship idols made to look like themselves. You know, that's really all idol worship does. It's just you creating something that you like. And, and look at verse 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth. And and I hope you, you know, I hope you're right in your Bible. Underline these verses. They traded the truth about God for a lie. I want to make sure we don't do that. You know, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. And the church said a great big. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural ways to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. The men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this, as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves. God didn't have to punish them. They suffered within themselves. The penalty that they deserve. And since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. He he just let them go to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. And their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. You don't don't get all hooked up on that. Just that one part, you know, oh, he's going to preach against homosexuality. Let's talk about gossip for a minute. Malicious behavior. Look at verse 30. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. And they are heartless. They have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that though those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyways. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And there was a cultural mindset that, that he was addressing that I think we need to look at and address right here and right now. It's time to break cultural mindsets that are ripping believers off from their ability to really enjoy God life. You know, if you're thinking wrong, most of the time you don't know it. Come on, you you know, uh, I I, kind of have a personality, I don't think I'm ever wrong. If, if I thought it was wrong, I'd change it so I'd be right. But the problem when you're wrong is you don't know you're wrong. And it might just be that over these next three or four weeks that we might touch on some stuff where you're thinking wrong. And if you're thinking wrong, then you're going to be seeing wrong. And if you're seeing wrong, you're going to be living wrong. And if you're living wrong, you're going to be getting the wrong results. And uh, you know, hey, we've been doing this thing for thirty years, and and hooking up with people all the time that that ought to be producing God-like results, and they're not. Why aren't they? Well, God's word isn't working. No, no, you're thinking wrong. And so, you, you know, uh, uh, God willing, because I, I really there's several cultural mindsets that I want to I, I want to deal with, but uh, and I just want to set this up a little bit tonight because. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm, I'm really believing God that maybe even next week I can tackle, it just has to do with uh, scheduling, the busyness of life, and the mindset that, that today's culture has in that realm, and then show you what God has to say about that. You know, uh, I, uh, I, I talked with Pastor Sharkey this weekend. I think I'll have him come down and talk to us about uh, what the world says about money and what God says about money. But then uh, three... It'll it be three weeks from now. That'll be one week, two weeks. Yeah, three weeks from now, and, and we'll we'll set this on the calendar and we'll keep it because you will want to you'll want to uh, maybe do church a little differently. We're going to talk about what the world says about sex and what God says about sex, and it'll be like PG-13. You will want to take advantage of our children's ministry on that weekend. You you know if you have kids, if you have kids that are, that are under the age of 13, you're going to want to get them. In a room somewhere, and if, if they're if they're 13 and up, you're going to want to put them on the front row because uh, they they need to know this stuff. But I don't want to know too much. They know a lot more than you think they do already. So, uh, but 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 I just I'm just going to be kind of preparing you. Don't don't you be complaining to me about what we talked about on that weekend because I I have warned you. Amen. So we're going to be challenging what the world considers as progressive thinking. Not in an effort to prove we're right, but because we want you to know life and peace. I ain't trying to prove somebody's wrong or somebody's right. I'm trying to get you to have real life, real peace in your life. And, and there's three uh, three doorways, three reasons really uh, that, that that this... Culture uh, has been able to infiltrate the church. And and I want to talk about those real quick. Number one, and you might want to write this down, uh, because we gave up on God's wisdom and settled for the world's ways. I think the church has given up on God's wisdom and and and, uh, uh, and we act like because times have changed. Well, I got to tell you something. God's wisdom never changes. Yeah, but look at Jesus. Jesus was accepting. Yeah, but Jesus never lowered the standards. Matter of fact, he raised them. You know, he came to a group of people and their culture, you know, if you committed adultery, they'd take you out and stone you. And he said, you've heard uh, that thou shalt not commit adultery. And i are all going, yeah, that's right. And he said, I'm telling you that if you even think uh, you know, about a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And he just turned the entire crowd into a bunch of adulterers. He, he, he didn't lower the standard. He raised it. But as the standard got higher... His grace got deeper. And, 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 and he, you know, he didn't condone the behavior, but I, but I tell you something, he, he didn't actually condemn them either. He just loved them. And, 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 and he went to the cross and paid for all of it. Hello, somebody. And so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, will we change the standard to fit the times, or will we let God change us? Are you going to just change all your standards or are you going to let God change you so that you have the strength and the backbone to stand up in today's society and without being condemning, but but live in a life that's that's pure and holy and righteous and that, that the light shines through. Hello, somebody. Romans twelve two. look at this one uh, and just to kind of help. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing and perfect. You know, you you got We're going to have to change the way we think so that we can have God's will. Amen. So, you know, we kind of gave up on God's wisdom and settled for the world's ways. Number two, uh, we followed our feelings instead of hanging on to our faith. How how did these how did these mindsets get into the church? Well, we, we just followed our feelings and we didn't hold to our faith. And I got to tell you something about your feelings. Your feelings cannot be trusted. You you can't you cannot trust your feelings. I'm just going to follow my heart. You better not. I said you better not just follow your heart until that heart's been transformed by the power of God. Hello, somebody. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to be tempted. Jesus was even tempted. It's just not okay. To call those feelings right. Well, oh, you're preaching good now, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, where does that lead people who are in sin? You know what? Just so you understand at the garden, we want to accept every, everybody's welcome. We embrace everybody regardless of what issue they're struggling with as long as they desire repentance. It's kind of hard to walk people towards God who refuse to walk towards God. But no matter what you're struggling with, that's not the, that's not the problem. You just have to be willing to admit, hey, some of my feelings aren't right. How many of you know some of, some of Pastor Tom's feelings aren't always godly? I know that the oxygen just got sucked out of the room. <gasps> what? Yeah, well, okay. But I'm not going to let society define what's right and what's wrong. I'm going to let the word of God do that. And, you know, we can't let our feelings be our guide. So the question you got to ask yourself is, will you agree with the Bible or are you going to trust your feelings? Romans 8, 6. If you let your sinful nature control your mind, that's going to lead to death. But if you let the spirit control your mind, that leads to life and peace. And the third thing, how, how did these mindsets get in the church? Well, we've trusted ourselves more than we've trusted God. And inadvertently, we've made a statement. God doesn't know best. You can't trust the Bible. That thing's been messed up for, you know, a lot. That thing's 4,000 years old. I'm here tonight to tell you that God's Word is awesome. And and you know what? You, you, you have to ask yourself, am I going to trust culture's new norms or am I going to trust God? A verse we're all very familiar with, I think, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. You know, trust, I think, is regardless of what the outcome is going to be. We don't know what the outcome is, but I'm not going to be shaken. I'm just going to continue to trust God. Amen? Now that's just kind of the intro to the series. And tonight I want to talk about family strong. Being, being family strong. Having a mindset and, 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 and breaking uh, culture's mindset regarding your family and family life. And I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff and some of it you can write down. There, I'm going to get to a point that I've got a bunch of stuff and we'll, we'll put it on the website or something. You can go get it. I'll warn you, don't try to write it all down. I'm not going to slow down for you because if I do... I'll be out of time. I don't have enough time to do my notes right now. So I have to hurry and stop explaining why I'm hurrying. Okay, you ready? So uh, so so I want to give you six culture busters for marriage. Okay, I want your marriage to be strong. And if you're not married, uh, you know, get this in you anyways. Help your friends who are married. Someday you might get married. Uh, But apply these where you can. But I really want the marriages at the garden to be strong. Amen. So number one, and, and by the way, I got these. Uh, these aren't really my points. I did, this was kind of a skeleton I've, uh, I ran into. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to hang some meat on that. And, and it's from uh, North Point Church, Andy Stanley's church in, in uh, Georgia. And uh, and these things, you know, they've been using these points for years and years in their family ministry. So I stole them. And by tomorrow morning, they will be mine. Okay. But number one, number one, write this down. Hurry home. Here's, here's the first Culture buster for marriage. Hurry home. Everybody say hurry home. You know what we have to do is we have to get back to where it's a priority that we are spending time with our family. We need to hurry home. If our families are going to thrive, schedules are going to have to change. I'm telling you. Schedules are going to have to change. You know, I don't think that we should accept this lifestyle where we're just ships passing in the night. You're going your way and I'm going my way. Society says just everybody do your own thing. Just, you know, everybody's got stuff going. I'm telling you, after 30 years of ministry, we've seen so many families that have allowed everybody to just set their own agenda and set their own schedule. And their families end up completely divided, completely apart. You need to hurry home. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. And if we're lucky, we can, maybe we can get along. How I many you know that's not God's plan for family life? Hello? It, you know, think about the love chapter in, in Corinthians 13. You know, and it says, love does not demand its own way. This isn't about you getting your way. This is about the, the fact that, that he who has a wife has a good thing. Children are the blessing of the Lord. That this, this family life is supposed to be a priority in our world. And, and, and the world's telling us to just, you know, to just go crazy and, and everybody do your own thing. And I'm telling you that God's way is hey, you hurry home. You, I said you hurry home. You, you know what? You're going to have to choose to cheat. Andy Stanley wrote a book called Choosing to Cheat. And something's going to get cheated. And so you need to be choosing what's going to get cheated. Because if you're going to have a strong family, you're probably going to have to cheat your work. But if you cheat your family so that you can work longer, you're cheating the wrong thing. Nobody, nobody on their deathbed, Lauren... Have you ever had anybody when you went in to see them on the deathbed and they look up from the deathbed and said, You know what, I, you know, the only regret I have, I, I just wish I'd spent more time at the office. That's nobody's desire. And we're under, we're under the impression that, uh, and I'm going to talk to the men for a minute, especially, I don't think it's just men, but I think men have, have a real tendency because we're, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going you know, to bring home the bacon, bless God. And we're going to accumulate a lot of wealth and, and a lot of stuff and we neglect our, our family and our families are falling apart in America. There's an alarm going off right there for somebody. You're at a crossroads and it's time to ask for the good way. Hello, somebody? Did did I give you a Jeremiah scripture? Look at this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it. You'll find rest for your soul. See, what it is is We're we're coming every day. We're coming to these crossroads, and we're having to make decisions that are going to take us someplace. And, And and you know, and we're 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 wanting to be contemporary. We're wanting to be cutting edge. But God says, "Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ask for the ancient way." You know, you're watching modern family on TV, which is not the picture that you want at your house. You want the ancient family. Hello. Well, that's old fashioned. Well, I'm proud of it. Hello, somebody. Why? Because there's peace for your soul. You know, I'm telling you, listen to me. If you pour all your life into your work and neglect your family at the end of the day. It's your soul that's going to be empty. It's not going to produce what you're hoping it will produce. You need to hurry home. I need to hurry up. Number two, cultivate communication. Everybody say cultivate. You know what? We need to be working hard at understanding and being understood. We need to make communication a a high priority in our relationships. This is a uh, culture-busting concept because today in America, think about this, in, in, in America, the average couple spends an average of four minutes a day in communication. And usually, those four minutes are spent using words that shouldn't even be spoken. OK, so we've got four minutes a day and, and hey, the world's lying to you. we are spending 400 minutes a day on Facebook and four minutes a day communicating. Communication has been replaced by our smartphone. I, I, I knew you were going to be really thrilled about some of this, you know, uh. You go into a restaurant and you sit down and you look across the room. You probably just need to look across the table. But you can look across the room and you'll see entire families. And they don't talk to each other the entire time they're there. Turn it off. Hello? Man, it's, it's almost as it's, I feel like you're not really with me. Come on. Turn it off. Set it down and talk to each other. Using words. Hello, somebody. And break this cultural mindset. Listen, the average man speaks 15,000 words a day. The average woman speaks 30,000 words a day. That's right. I use my 15,000 before I get to the house. Shelby saves hers for when I arrive. So... Let me just tell you, men, I feel you. You know, help me, Jesus. But we've got, we've got to work on this thing. And guys, I'm going to give you four words that might save your marriage. It'll definitely add years and years to it. And you should write these down. Four words that'll save your marriage. Just write it down and, then, and say this often. And then what happened? And just say that a lot and it'll help. Proverbs 18, says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who make it a priority are going to enjoy good fruit. So guard your words, but cultivate communication. Number three, nourish romance. I can tell by your response. You need to throw another log on the fire. Hello, somebody. For some of you guys, the last time you heard, honey, turn out the lights and lock the door, is when your parents pull up in the driveway. We're going to break <laughs> that's <was> funny. <laughs> we're going to break this cultural mindset and, and, and what the world's teaching about sex. You know, the Internet is not where you should be finding your romance. And, and let me just tell you something about that stuff that you, you might want to consider because you, what the problem is is it allows desires to be filled without the intimacy of a person, so it, it removes the person from the equation, and so it's teaching us how to be self. Satisfied. And I'm telling you, that's bad thinking. We need to return back to intimacy and have a love relationship. Look at Proverbs 5, 18. Be happy with your wife and find your joy with the woman you married. Hey, get excited. Go back to the same passion and energy that you had when you asked her to marry you. You know, Proverbs 19 and the end of it, it says, may you be ever intoxicated with her love captivated, intoxicated, uh, giddy. Hi, honey. How you doing? You know, if you'll do marriage God's way, this is where he'll get, he'll get you back here. Now, now this next, just listen to these. We'll, you know, Lene's like a genius. I'll give her these and she'll get them up there someplace where you can get them. Don't make her print them. Go to the website and get them. If you don't have a computer, save up money, buy one. You don't have a printer? Come with me. We'll go to Costco. 39 bucks. Okay. The 10 romance killers. The, these will kill your romance. Overcommitment and physical exhaustion. You're wearing yourself out. Why? Because you're, you're cheating your house to go to work. Hurry home. Number two, debt and conflict over money. It, it will destroy the romance. Selfishness. Number three, selfishness. Number four, interference from the in-laws. We'll just move right on. Okay. <laughs> Number five, unrealistic expectations. This is huge, man. Lies that we, that we buy into. TV, magazines, and overprotective mothers. I'm telling you, uh, un- un- unrealistic expectations. Number six, alcohol and substance abuse. Number seven, pornography. It's going to destroy your family. Number eight, gambling or other addictive behaviors. Number nine, The grass is greener syndrome. The grass is greener. Listen, if the grass is greener, the water bill is higher. So if you're struggling where you're at, the last thing you need to do is cross the fence. Number (laughs) ten. Business success or business failure. When your business is succeeding... It can destroy your romance. Let me give you 15 romance builders. One, love yourself. You know what? If you don't let Jesus heal you, you ain't going to love nobody the right way. So love yourself. Get healed. Number two, start each day with a hug. Come on, that would be nice. Start each day with a hug. Uh, Say I love you every time you part ways. Compliment freely and often. Five, slow down. Number six, go on a date every week. Come on, ladies, I'm helping you. Kiss unexpectedly. That's the biggest amen I got from Kelly in a long time. Come on, guys, look at her, tell her. Hey, babe, Shel, you know you want this. Number eight, apologize sincerely. Apologize and mean it. Number nine, be forgiving. Number ten, let her give you directions when you're lost. Number eleven, you laugh at his jokes. Number twelve, men, ask her to marry you all over again. Thirteen, ladies, say yes. Fourteen, never go to bed mad. Fifteen, always work it out. Come on, get the romance going. Hello, somebody. Number four, I've got to hurry. Celebrate differences. The world's saying, highlight your differences. Here's, here's the lie. Here's culture's lie. We're no longer compatible. Well, we, we're not staying together. Why not? We're no longer compatible. That's stupid. Shelby and I are polar opposites. I'm telling you, I want to go out; she wants to stay in. I want to spend; she wants to save. I'm hot; she's cold. Always, always, always. The world's telling us we'll highlight those differences and keep track because someday you're going to need to be able to use those against them. And I'm telling you that God's way says celebrate those differences. You know, because it's kind of like the hand in the glove thing. You know, there are times when, uh, you know, you or your spouse is doing something and you need a better grip or, or you need warmth or uh, you, you need protection. You don't need another hand. You just need the warmth of the glove or the grip the glove provides or, or the protection that it offers. And see, the glove is exactly opposite of your hand. Where your fingers are solid, its fingers are hollow. So that you can fit in there. Your marriage isn't... You're not, you're not supposed to be... When God looked at Adam, He said, You know what? This really sucks. We need two of you. No, He said, it's not good that you're like you are. We're getting you some help. Right? And it, it, it provided some difference... And you need to celebrate your differences instead of highlighting them. Hello, somebody. It's not that one is right or one is wrong, but it's we work together and we make better decisions when we do. Together, we're better. Why? Because we celebrate differences. A house divided cannot stand. Proverbs 24, three homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding you're going to build your house on that foundation. Not and you're going to you're going to need to celebrate your differences. Thank God they're not exactly like you. Number five, this is a big one. Finish together. Everybody say finish together. What I'm talking about here is that you take the option of divorce and get it out. It's no longer part of the equation. We said, till death do we part. I might kill you, but I'm not going to divorce you. No, that's was, that was just a joke. Honestly, honestly, it's not fair to hang divorce over the other person all the time. Hello, somebody? Get it off the table. Think about it. Think, think about it. Uh, your discussions will be a lot more lively when the security is back in the room. You know, Shelby can say anything she wants to me because she knows you ain't going nowhere. Finish together. Instead of divorcing your spouse, cover them, protect them, guard them, compliment them, birth a new commitment. Be willing to be unhappy while we work it out. Hello? Hello? See, the world's telling us, stick up for yourself. That's bad culture, guys. Well, they're taking advantage. Give the advantage. Finish together. Number six, trust God. Build confidence in God. Our culture said you can't trust God. You can't trust the Bible. But we're telling you, get God back in your marriage. You want to know it's crazy? These six things. You know, we're actually asking you to do stuff you couldn't possibly do. That's why we need God. Because He gives us the power. And unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain anyways. So you've got to get God back in your, back in your marriage. And on the website, you're going to find, you know, uh, there, there's, a, there's a little place there that you can go. And there's this thing, and it's about six dates, and it's an experiment. And you take six dates over six months. And, and, and I just challenge you, you, you married couples, to, uh, to download the dates. they got everything that you need to do there. They give you the ideas. They tell you what to do, the stuff to talk about. And do the six dates and see if your marriage isn't stronger six months from now. And again, well, you know, how do I get to it? GCATC.com or dot com. And it's on the page, and you take your mouse and you click it. I don't have a computer. Hurry up and get one. You print it for me. No. No. Go to the library. where you go to get your porn. Go in there. Oh, he just uncovered the perverts. Yeah, I did. Figure out a way. Make an investment. I don't think you should talk that way in church. I don't think you should be so judgmental in church. You know, it's really interesting because when I'm looking around the room, I know I'm doing warfare. I know I'm doing warfare and I know some of you guys, you're sitting there and you're going, Hmm, that's good. And all you're thinking about is when you can get back to work. And I'm going to be on your case. And I'm, I'm going to rattle your cage. I'm going to mess with your stuff because I want you to have life and peace in your home. We need it. We need you to have it. And you need to recognize that this mindset that's infiltrating the church is going to create all kinds of havoc in our life. That's unnecessary. If we just turn back to God, Amen. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and we're going to pray a prayer together before we leave here tonight. And if you're in the room and you say, "You know what, Pastor Tom, I need God in my life." Talk about getting God in my marriage. I need God in my life. I, then I want you to make this prayer your prayer. If you're here tonight. And we're going to pray. A prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call anybody out or have you stand. But if you're here tonight and you and you recognize your need for God, I want to invite you to make this your prayer. So while nobody's looking around, if that's you, I just want you to hold your hand up real quick so I can agree with you, and then we're going to pray. Thank you. You can put it down. It's awesome.